Hello again. This is Roberta Lee, and I am back with another excerpt from my book, The Language of Tarot. If you've been following along with this podcast, then you know that I have already looked at all of the major arcana cards and read the interpretations from The Language of Tarot uh, here on the podcast for those cards. We also have taken a look at another group of tarot cards, the Minor Arcana. And so far on this podcast, I've given four examples of Minor Arcana cards. I've moved on now, and now we're looking at the court cards. We might go back and revisit the Minor Arcana and some other information about readings later in the podcast. But right now, let's look at a second uh, of the court cards. I'd like to say right now that one of the things that I've noticed with other tarot guides over my over 30 years of interest in the subject is the court cards seem to be the group that are given the least attention. And I'm not sure why. I will say they can be confusing cards to read if for no other reason than they can mean several different things, several different kinds of things, I guess is how I would put that. So that, for example, the page court cards can be messages or messengers. They can be children or they can be adults who are acting in a childlike way. Uh, they can be the seeker <laughs> acting in a childlike way or they can be someone else acting in a childlike way. So you see how complex that can be. This is why I stress always when I talk about doing readings for other people, whether it's for money or for pleasure or both, of course, that you need as a reader to come to grips with the fact that you're going to have to ask some questions of seekers along the path of that reading. Uh, seekers who expect you to sit down and do a cold reading, they give you no information, uh, are asking you to do something that cannot be done with any depth. Uh, unless you are, in fact, psychic, perhaps, and, and then maybe that would work. But I don't think I am. I don't think most readers are. So being willing and being able having it in your mind that you're going to ask some questions can help a great deal, especially when you get to court cards in a reading, because the best approach is to simply ask. One way to do that would be to say, here I see someone who is acting uh, in an immature or childlike way. Does that seem to ring a bell? Who could that be in your life? Is that you? Is that someone else? If you start getting from the seeker that they don't know what you're talking about, then move on and ask. This could also be a message. Are you waiting for a phone call, a letter? Are you waiting for email? So, you know, you need to sort of wade into this gradually. In the best case scenario, your seeker will speak to you a bit before the reading even commences so that you get an idea if, in fact, she's waiting for a letter or an email, you know. So you know that going in. And so when you see something like a, a page of cups turn up, and she's told you that she's waiting to hear back from someone that she's fond of, then you might have a real good idea that here is that message that she's waiting for. So again, the importance of communication that goes back and forth during the course of a reading cannot be overemphasized. I think, again, one of the reasons the court cards seem to confuse so many readers and certainly so many people who write books about tarot is that they do have a complexity built into them that should be addressed openly and clearly between yourself and the seeker before you even begin a reading, as far as I'm concerned. So let's go and look at another excerpt from the language of Tarot. Uh, and I should mention again, I keep doing this, that my pronunciation of the word comes from my family's pronunciation of the word. It's how I grew up um, saying it. My aunt was a Tarot reader. My mom's family for from uh, what is now, I guess, Romania or perhaps Czechoslovakia. 
Carpathian Mountains, that area, and were Romani people, gypsy people. Um, but in America, most people say Taru or Tara or Teru, I believe, in the in the middle portion of the country. So uh, if my pronunciation doesn't jibe with yours, I apologize if it's confusing, but that's why that's the case. And I'm not going to, at age 56, I'm not going to change how I pronounce the word tarot. It's just not going to happen. But you are welcome to disagree and to pronounce it how you wish. So now we're going to look at another excerpt. Let's take a real close look um, at the Knight of Cups. Keywords. Lover. Proposition. Sensitivity. Offer of romance. Romantic. Sensual. Sensitive. The attributes of the person represented by this card are sensitivity, dreaminess, and caring. These are loving and expressive people who turn their entire lives into art by creating beautiful expressions of their intensely intuitive and emotional natures. They are often drawn to the caregiving professions and make wonderful, generous friends. Anyone indicated by this card will be responsive and giving, if a bit passive and out of touch with the harsher realities of life. They give great advice about relationships, but I wouldn't recommend giving them your money to invest. With mostly negative cards, this knight can show someone is not grounded enough, perhaps not tough enough, for the demands of this particular situation. However, with positive cards, read this as a true and caring friend. If this card signifies an event, it is either travel for romance to a romantic or exotic location or an actual proposition. If the seeker is wondering if a potential lover will make a move, this card is a yes. Any sort of offer can be foretold by this card, but especially one that comes from affection and brings joy. When read as advice, this knight tells the seeker to speak her heart clearly and openly because her words will meet with a very positive response. In romantic readings, this card typifies deeply passionate and rather mercurial lovers who fall head over heels, but unfortunately tend to get bored when that initial romantic glow dissipates. This is to some degree inevitable, and their biggest challenge is in sustaining relationships after the honeymoon is over. They can do this, but they require a constant fix of romanticism. These are the people who send flowers and cards and also want you to send them. Because their expectations are often set very high, even a small slight can easily offend them. They do best in relationships with other romantics or with people who are willing to indulge them. Their idea of a perfect date would be the opera, followed by a late dinner in a restaurant known for its lush ambiance. The next morning, they will send flowers and a profusely worded thank you note. You'd better call them instantly with an equally eloquent thank you, or their tender sensibilities will be wounded. In any relationship reading, this card can also simply show the movement toward romantic feelings, as when a friendship starts to become a love affair. As such, it indicates flirting and is the signature card of a romance that is moving toward greater intimacy. Because the idea of a romantic getaway is associated with the Knight of Cups, keep in mind that it may very specifically foretell a honeymoon or any trip based on a couple getting away together. In a reading specifically about sex, 
the Knight of Cups shows either a direct or a veiled proposition. This card shows movement toward intimacy and often foretells a pass being made or well-received. As an outcome card, the matter at hand will move forward in a romantic or friendly direction. A heartfelt offer or proposition will best resolve anything that has seemed hung up or stuck. The seeker is advised that she has a friend who will be helpful and that she should meet him with equally honest emotions. A proposition or offer may soon come her way, and it will be given with sincere affection. Reversed, Knight of Cups. Keywords, seduction, deceitful lover, proposition, strings attached, dishonest, repressed, seductive. Reversed, this card signifies the attributes of guile and wiliness in regard to emotions. Someone is hiding how she really feels. In some situations, though, this can be either an acceptable response or even a wise strategy. So be careful not to simply read this card as lying. For example, if one has strong romantic yearnings for a married friend, it may be necessary to hide that attraction. Or if the friend is single but a co-worker, it is wise to be careful what one reveals at work and best to go very slowly until one is sure the attraction is mutual in order to avoid awkwardness or worse in the workplace. These sorts of deceptions aren't what most of us mean by lies. However, this card, when reversed, can definitely indicate lying in the generally accepted sense. It's best to look at surrounding cards to get some sense if the dishonesty is justifiable or hurtful, and if it is causing the seeker pain. Reversed cups cards can all indicate someone with a substance abuse problem as well. They are in their cups. Tread carefully with this interpretation. The seeker may be painfully aware of it or in denial. If this card refers to the seeker, there are problems with them honestly expressing their opinions. This is hurting them. They are naturally open and feel stifled by being unable, in this instance, to share their thoughts. Surrounding and following cards may indicate if the oracle is advising they continue to be reticent or if the future will offer an opportunity to be true to their candid nature. If this card refers to an event, it is an offer or proposition with strings attached or that is duplicitous. This card is often a warning to look over any romantic offers very carefully or to indicate that someone is wary of some proposed idea. As guidance, don't wear your heart on your sleeve. Make no promises and be wary of anything you are offered. In romantic readings, when the Knight of Cups is reversed, it indicates a heartbreaker. These people are addicted not to love, but to emotional roller coaster rides. They turn all relationships into high drama by demanding constant attention and setting unrealistic expectations for their lovers. They have a sixth sense for finding emotionally fragile souls and slam dunking their egos with operatically intense relationships. However, this card reverse can also indicate any kind of difficulty with love or questions about a proposition. Look to surrounding cards to see if the negative interpretation makes sense or a blander reading is more appropriate. If this card refers to the seeker, they cannot express their love openly and it's killing them. These people live to love and if their emotions are repressed, they feel horrible, lost, depressed, and hopeless. 
Look to following cards for the Oracle's guidance. Perhaps a path will open that will at least allow them to speak their hearts. Sexually reversed, this card signifies lying to get laid. This is the card of the sexual trickster, for whom sex is actually just an excuse to play elaborate games about power and control. In general, read it as an untrustworthy lover. If this card refers to the seeker, then they are having problems trusting their partner enough to have satisfying sex with them. They need to feel fully in love to want sex, and something is presently preventing that. Reversed, in the outcome position, this card shows some block in the seeker's emotional life that will result from the question being asked by the reading. It can also show a person of dubious intent who will make her an offer and warns specifically to be wary of all propositions. Someone is hiding their true feelings or actually lying about them. And that concludes my interpretation for the Knight of Cups. Remember that the full version of the language of Tarot uh, includes an entire chapter on uh, just how to interpret court cards, much more information than I've given here about all the different uh, suits of cards and the different varieties of court cards and how they can be read in all these many, many ways. So there's a great deal more information in the full version of the book. The Language of Tarot, of course, is available on my website, robertaleart.com, and also on amazon.com. Uh, you are also invited to become my fan on Facebook. There, there's a very interesting discussion always going on one way or the other on Facebook, whether it's about my novels or it's about the language of tarot. And I'm always delighted to hear from people there. It's, it's a great way to easily communicate with me. But Facebook is also very interesting. I've reconnected with friends from high school and college on Facebook. Uh, just, it's wonderful to uh, to find people from your life, coworkers, perhaps the you know the handful of coworkers you actually want to to run into again from former jobs. They might be on Facebook now. It's not just for kids. It's it's a lot of adults as well. So if you get a chance, come and join me there. If not. Uh, stay tuned for the next episode of this podcast. We're going to be looking at the Queen Court cards next, and I'm going to be reading one of my interpretations for one of those cards. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs>